Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel 1. I am so excited about what God is setting us up for in January. We are building faith for that moment right now. I'm excited. I I know that what I'm sharing with you, I have an assignment from God to build our faith and get us ready. I want to say something to us today. I want to make sure that we understand uh, how God is working and what God is doing. I shared that a little last week. We have a context for this moment we're in. And uh, maybe elevate your faith. Kind of Pick your head up and, and, and don't just be in the routine of church. I, I want to tell you something. God can change any situation in your life. Did you hear what I said? I want to say it again. God can change any situation in your life. <clears throat> and what we need to understand is, is, is when we begin to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit and, and, and seek the Lord, we're, we're going to see some great things happen. He says, if you seek me, you what? You will find me. God says, if you draw near to me, I will. Okay. So there's sometimes you and I need to take some steps. Amen. We, we need to shift the schedule. Everybody with me? We need to align our priorities. I believe God is arranging a divine encounter for this church in the month of January. It is going to be amazing. We're, we're calling it the chosen fast. Now, last week I began to open up Isaiah 58. This is where we see that term, the chosen fast. It's it's unique. It's something I'm so excited about. Uh, Today I'm going to teach out of Daniel so we'll understand what what these 10 days of fasting are about. It's part of the chosen fast. I'm going to be teaching out of these two uh, books, Isaiah 58 and then Daniel, this month and then into January. But what God is doing now is building our faith for a divine encounter. God can change things in your life. You don't have to accept the status quo. Listen, this is what I believe January is going to be all about. Not because we just flipped the calendar, okay? We've got to get over that. It's not just like a, okay, I made a New Year's resolution. We Listen, you've lived long enough. If New Year's resolutions are going to change you, you'd be changed. Okay? You don't need a resolution. You need a revolution. We need a Holy Spirit encounter because we get stuck. We, we, you know, we, we learn to live in our strongholds when we should be breaking out of our stronghold. We spend too much time redecorating our tomb when we ought to be believing for a resurrection out of that tomb. And so what I, I want to uh, believe the Holy Spirit's asking me to do is build our faith, raise our expectation. Put us in a position spiritually where we are getting hungry again. Come on, anybody with me? And we're saying, God, I'm passionate about what you're doing. I I, I want to pursue that. I want to draw near. I, I want to seek the Lord. And I believe as we do that, we're going to encounter God in some amazing ways. I shared with you, we're, we're, we're all in. We're all in in January. We're, we're going to have uh, what we call pursuit gatherings every Sunday night in January. Can, can I tell you something? When I was a kid, I went to church at least three times every week. Anybody ever had those parents? I mean, at least three times a week. 
And, and you know what? I lived through it. I came through well. My, uh, come on. Some people act like you go to church too much. Something's going to happen. My IQ wasn't hampered. I still love God. I didn't feel like I was taken advantage of. Come on. How many hear what I'm talking about? So, so hey, do you know, listen, do you know you can go to church more than once a day and it's okay? I want to say that again. Do you know you can actually go to church two times on Sunday and you might grow spiritually? That breakthrough might happen. That spiritual move might take place. That thing that we've learned to accept might get broken and God will turn something around. And so everybody with me. You see, that's where we're headed. I know what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. And I'm doing my best to prepare us to move into that. So I began last week with the foundation of Isaiah 58. There's much more to study from that. I just hit the highlights. I hope if you missed that, you can get the podcast. Today, what is this 10-day Daniel fast. And we're in Daniel 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to have to take you through some reality checks to get started. Everybody okay with that? Okay. How many want the real truth and not that shaded stuff? All right. So let's, let's look at the context here. Let's read. Daniel 1.1. 1, 1. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 2. Pardon me. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. The Lord delivered him into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, carried off to the temple of his God, little g. You see that? In Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his little g God. Verse 3. Then... The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them. Now, why did he bring them in? Watch this. He was to teach them the language and literature or the culture of the Babylonians. All right, let, let, me, let me stop there. So what's happening here? What's the scenario? It's, it's, a, uh, it's the darkest hour for the nation of Israel. It's their lowest spiritual moment. It's something in their pride and dullness they never believed was going to happen. For what's happening here? Is the first time the city of Jerusalem, once Israel came into their promised land, had ever been conquered and taken over by a foreign army. They thought it could never happen. This is the city of God. We're the people of God. We're the Israelites. We came out of Egypt. We, we defeated these nations. This is our city. God blesses us. We're safe. Let's talk about this. But after many decades of disobedience and rebellion... Following warning after prophetic warning after prophet he sent to them. I want you to hear me. God could no longer protect Israel. He could not, listen to me, entertain a dysfunctional, codependent relationship and enable their rebellion. Are you with me? Do you understand that? It had reached a point where in his mercy and grace... He can no longer maintain his integrity of, as God to enable them to live like that. 
He had warned them and warned them and warned them. Here's the situation. We have to see how this relates to us. Israel was, as America is becoming, a nation devolving into spiritual and moral attrition. Bit by bit. Little by little. Devolving, not evolving, devolving. By attrition into a culture that we should be very unfamiliar with. Christians, we're the salt and the light, are we not? We're the salt and the light, okay? But Christians in too many cases today cannot see their absorption into this bankrupt culture. Why? Because the body of Christ, the American church, the individual Christian at home has become so unfamiliar with Scripture, with the Word of God, that there, there, there's no longer any standard in life. There's no absolute truth to gauge your journey on. Are you with me? Christianity is not a culture. It's a relationship with Almighty God. There is a guideline for our life called the Word of God. And when that becomes unfamiliar to us, when we no longer know His Word, read His Word, stay in His Word, believe His Word, we find ourselves in a place where we lose our bearing, where we, we, we don't see who we really are. See, we, it's like you lost your map. Your Google map is not functioning well. But because of that, you don't understand how far off the path the shift has become. Okay, are you with me? James says the word of God is a mirror. A mirror. Have you ever thought you were looking good? And looked in the mirror? And said, dear, dear. We need to do something here. Have you ever thought your hair was dead and you looked in the mirror and it wasn't done? <laughs> Come on, tell the truth. You ever think everything was looking fine and, and you look and you say, you know, you need some help, bro. This, this isn't, no. have, have you ever, you know, this happens the longer you live. I know some of you don't know. But have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, is that my dad looking back at me? You have to live a little while to know what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> said, dad? <laughs> no, that's me. But what we do, listen, without a mirror... We think we know our condition. We think we know who we are, what we look like and what we're doing. You understand? We take for granted the reality. The mirror is just the reality. What I'm thinking is the falsehood. The mirror is the reality. And if I'm not looking in that mirror, I don't know who I am. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not really connected with the reality of who I am in that moment. See, we spend hundreds of hours online and few minutes in the Word. See, we know who Siri sounds like and Alexa, but we don't know the voice of God anymore. <laughs> we let some little somebody tell us how to do anything we do. And we wouldn't know God if He knocked on the door. 
And the reason why is not because he's not there. And it's not because we don't intend it. And it's not because we don't have a concept that we believe in God. But if I don't get that word, if I don't know that word, if I'm not looking in that word, I don't really know who I am and what's going on in my life. And so we as the salt and the light in the midst of a culture that is degrading morally are no longer able to even discern where we relate to that culture or stand as a signal that there's hope in another direction. I told you I've got to give you the big news. Well, let's keep going. Everybody with me today? So that's how they got there. And I don't want to see us get there in this nation, in our lives, in my family, in your family. So in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar did what another king had not been able to do. He took Daniel and thousands of exiles and deported them to Babylon, an ungodly nation, a heathen place, a demon idol worshiping place. It was unfamiliar to them in every way. And you see what happens with compromise is that what you'll settle for in a small sense will become a greater sin. I'm reminded of what our friend Jesse Duplantis said to us, that sin will do something to you. Sin. Somebody say, sin will do something to you. Sin will take you farther than you planned on going. Sin will keep you longer than you planned on staying. And sin will cost you more than you planned on paying. I'm going to say that on this side of the room. Sin will take you farther than you planned on going. Sin will keep you longer than you planned on staying. Sin will cost you more than you planned on paying. See, today's compromise becomes tomorrow's bondage. And so they, they, they took them there. And uh, as the spoils of war, Daniel was probably an older teenager at this time but a godly young man. He lived in Babylon over 60 years. He survived four regime changes. His life, we read about in this book, is probably one of the most uh, impacting, powerful narratives of a godly person that you'll find in the Bible. He lived in a heathen culture. He was often opposed by his colleagues where he worked, and yet he never wavered in his faith to God. It's an amazing story. That, that we need to understand. So again, how does this apply to me, Pastor? I, I, I Stay with me. How does this apply to us ending 2021 and going into 2022? And what does this say to us about the, the validity and the necessity of a chosen fast? Well, you see, what we need to understand is that many of us can relate to Daniel more than you might think. Because again, what is this situation? Daniel, listen to me, was captured by the failures... Of those around him. He was in Babylon. Not because of what he had done. But because of what other people had done around him. Are you with me? And and his life is now being negatively impacted. By what? The sins of the fathers. And I have to say it. And the compromise of weak spiritual leadership. So Daniel finds himself... (laughs) In, in a place that wasn't easy. Anybody ever been in a place that wasn't easy? Anybody ever felt my life is captured by what people around me have done? But we're not going to stop there. My life is, is, is wrapped up in the sins of the fathers and these generational curses. And, 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 and I'm who I am and where I am because of what people have done. And Daniel was trapped in that. It wasn't an easy place. Listen to me. It's not where he wanted to be. Let me give you some good news. If you're walking through a rough season, it may not be where you want to be. 
It may not be what you would choose to be, but you need to be reminded that even in your hard time, God is with you in that moment and you need to find Him in the season you're in and stop postponing your victory for another day. He is with you no matter where you are right now. See, you say, come on, let's be, let's get real with this. Don't we sometimes say, don't raise your hand. Don't we sometimes say, but God, you could have kept me from this. Come on, we've wrestled with those thoughts. Don't, don't look spiritual like that. Don't, don't act that way. Adjust your halo for a moment. See, we, we, we have said, but God, you could have kept me. You could have stopped this. And you could have. He's God. But he didn't. It wasn't my fault, and it wasn't. I didn't make the choice, and you didn't. And here I am as a result of that. God, you could have stopped this, but he didn't. Why didn't he do it? Because maybe that's the pathway to the purpose of God in your life. And the only way to get from A to B is walk that path. And you wouldn't have chosen it. And I wouldn't have picked it. And I would have gone in another direction. But God allowed me to walk in it. And He's with me every step of the way. And if I will recognize that, it's not postponing my breakthrough. It's taking me to the place where God wants me to go. Everybody with me? See, this relates to you and I. So let's learn some things. My goodness, I've got so much here. All right, let's go. So, so what happens? Look at this. Verse 1. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. I want you to make sure that you grasp this. This, this account that we're reading is real. It's legitimate. It, it, it's historically accurate and documented. Okay? So this really happened just as we're reading it. But what I want you to see always, and we have to recognize this, particularly as you fast and move into these seasons, that the real battle is a spiritual battle. Nebuchadnezzar was the puppet. He was the agent that was being used. But we have to understand that. We waste so much time battling, wrestling personalities when we need to understand it's the principalities. That are calling the shots. Is everybody with me today? All right. So, so what's this pattern? It is always the devil's pattern. I'm going to help you with something. Fasting is a particular uh, grace, tool, weapon that God gives his people to break through these spiritual strongholds. All right. There may be some patterns happening in your life and in your family that you don't understand why they're so repetitive. There may be some strongholds in your life and you're wondering, why can't I get out of this? Why does this happen to me again and again? Why do I say, God, I don't want to do that ever again, and yet you do it again? Why, why are there some things that seem to hold you? I want, I want, hear what I'm saying. Those things are broken, not by willpower, but by prayer and fasting. It's a spiritual shot in the arm. It is a, it is a spiritual dynamic to meet the real battles in our life. Everybody with me? So here we find Nebuchadnezzar come. Why did Nebuchadnezzar come now? Because the enemy always waits for the weak moment. Israel is finally so weakened that he sees his moment. Are you ready? He, he says, it's now. Now's the time to come steal and kill and destroy. They're vulnerable. When you become spiritually weak, you become vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy against your life. 
But I want you to notice, even in their spiritual weakness, what his tactic was. And what his tactic is. If you'll read here, what did he do to the city? He besieged it. He did not make a frontal direct attack. He did not try to overpower them. Because the power of God is too great. And so what did he do? He besieged them. He surrounded them and starved them out. You know what the enemy would like to do to you and your dreams and your hopes and, and the things that you want to do in this nation and your family and our church? What does he want to do? He, he knows that he can't beat God head on. He knows that if he puts his head up too high, even in a weakened condition, somebody says, man, this is the devil after me. So he hides behind the personality and he surrounds your life with the issues of life and watches you because the devil is an eternal being too and he just waits you out. Are you with me? Attrition, step by step, moment by moment, starving you spiritually until you just put the white flag up and he didn't have to do much more. And notice what he does first because he is the thief and he is Satan and he's always coming to steal, kill, and destroy. So verse 2 says, and, and as, as, as God delivered them, you understand, God said, I can't do it anymore. I, 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 my hand's off. My hand's off. Can I tell you, I never want to know that day. You hear what I'm saying? I never want to know that day. I never want to know the day in my life where the hand of God comes off me. I never want to know the day in my life where I rebelled and rebelled and disobeyed and disobeyed and went my way and went my way and, and, and took advantage of the mercy and the grace of God until one day comes and God says, I just can't bless that anymore. Are you with me? Okay. So, so we, the, the Lord delivered him. Into the hand of, and, and what did he do? Look at this. What's the first thing he did? He went into the temple of God and he took the articles that were there to worship God and placed them in the temple of his God. What you and I have to understand in, in, in this season, in this time, and in this, in this thing God wants to do when I told you today that God can change things. God can shift situations. We have to understand that Satan always desires what only belongs to God. He always wants what only belongs to God. You see, that's why he fell. He was a guardian cherub. He was an archangel. He was there with the worship on the throne of God and something about his pride. And he began to say, I want to be worshiped like God's worship. I want to sit on the throne of heaven. I, instead of in all of the glory and the goodness and the holiness of God, he wanted it. And he was cast down. And so what you need to see is that he's never changed that. He is a fallen, demented, deranged, uh, angelic being who wants what belongs to God. And the first thing he did is go into the temple and grab the articles of worship of the one true God and place them in the temple their demon gods. Why? Because Satan wants what only belongs to God. See, John 10, 10, you know the verse. What does Jesus say? He says, the thief comes only. See that word only? Only. I remember witnessing to a motorcycle gang one night. <laughs> we, when I first got saved, we, we were the Holy Spirit shock troops. We, we had those, I, I had to learn how to do this, but I was on fire for God, bold as a lion, loved God. And it was kind of, our witnessing was kind of either they got saved or he got in a fight. It was, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I just could <laughs> 
I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you mean you're not going to get saved? You're stupid. You know, it's like, anyway, there's a better way to do that. So I remember witnessing these, this gang and he says, hey, he said, well, I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm going to go to hell. We're going to have a party down in hell. We're going to celebrate. And I said, yeah, partner, you're on the barbecue. You know, that's right down there. So anyway, look, the devil's not your friend. He's not your friend. He's not your friend. He comes only, say only. He comes only to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Now look what Jesus does only. Say only again. Jesus speaking here. I have come that they, say me, come on, have me, come on. Who volunteer? I have come that they may have life. Have it to the full. So you see, the devil wants what belongs to God alone. He always desires worship. He, he, he wants that. That's, he wants the glory and the honor of God. So look at this next verse, verse 3. The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. He's going after the best. You see that? The devil doesn't want your worst. He wants your best. Verse 4. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now look at verse 5. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, indoctrinated. After that, they were to enter the king's service. So the first thing that the Lord wants to do is steal what belongs to God alone. Worship, honor, glory, adoration. Go to the temple. Grab God's stuff. Let's get that out of there. And the next thing that God wants to do, because you remind Him, because you were created in the image and the likeness of God. You understand? Somebody says, why is the devil after me? Because he sees something you don't see in yourself right now. Why has life been so hard? Because the devil's afraid of who you are. Why do I face what I face? Because the devil's more afraid of your future than he is of your past. Why does he go after you and your family and your children? Because they're created in the image and the likeness of God. And if he can steal it young, then he got He has something. See, he wants what belongs to God alone. Are you with me? So what does he do? He goes after these young men to do what? To take their God-given gifts and their ability and their talent and their purpose and hijack it for himself and twist what God has given you until you have your gift. But it's empty and unfulfilling because instead of serving the God who gave it, we are abusing it serving the other one. You know what every rock and roll and rap singer and, and, and everybody that's singing and making music and doesn't know Jesus, they're just unsaved worship leaders. You hear what I said? They just unsaved worship. They're just, they're just, uh, kidnapped royalty. The devil just got them. We just need to see them get saved and get in the kingdom of God. Amen? Alright. Alright. So, so, so we see this. He, he wants as empty. Listen, let me, let me help you with something. All of Satan's servants, Everyone who's not serving God, listen to me, I know you don't like it. If you're not serving God, you're serving the enemy. I know you think you're serving yourself. But all of Satan's servants are prisoners. They just don't realize it yet. See, the game is, the, the game is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about who he had. It's about himself. They just don't realize it. Now, look at verse 6 and 7. So what does he do? I want to grab their gift. And then what's the next thing? Among those were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them what? 
new name. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. To Azariah, Abednego. What did he do? Well, well, he goes after God's worship. Then he wants to steal your gifting and your talent and your ability. And the last thing the devil wants to do to you is your identity. Your identity. We live in a culture of people whose self-esteem is so low, it's frightening. We live in a culture of people who are so discouraged and defeated and depressed that the enemy has ripped everything away from them. We, we live in, an, uh, in a culture where people have, they, they don't know who they are. Their father didn't bless them. Their father didn't tell them who they are. And so they're looking for anybody to give me identity, any place to find some understanding. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. I, I, I shouldn't say it politically, but I should say it spiritually. And it's this. There's so many young men and women caught up and wrapped up in this homosexual issue and, 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 and all the letters. I can't remember all the letters now and I'm not trying to be funny. But and their identity and their gender and their wedding. And listen to me. The reason is, and this is what hurts me. It doesn't make me mad. It hurts me. They're searching for their identity so desperately that any place that seems to give them covering, they will gravitate to. And I want to go back and say again, I'm not mad at people. I don't hate people. I want to see them live their life and be who God called them to be. I believe they're being kidnapped and ripped off and grabbed by the enemy. And we as the church are supposed to be the salt and light. We're not the people that say, I hate you, I don't love you, I don't like you, call them names, call them jokes. We're the people who would lovingly say, the truth of God is this. And God can do this thing for you. For you see, that situation of homosexuality, transgenderism, and same-sex marriage is not any more disgusting than pornography and adultery and, uh, and, and leaving your wife and having a girlfriend and having a boyfriend and having one on the side and doing what you're doing over there. If you think your sin is different than somebody else's sin, then you don't know how God looks at life. So he wants your identity. I told you I got to preach some stuff today. Come on. Do you want it chosen fast or just a little patty cake? I mean, that's just so. So he wants your identity. Daniel's name means God. See, when they named these Israelite babies, they prophesied over them. Their name was prophecy. It was a blessing. They didn't just pull a name out. It was a blessing. They prayed. They thought, God, this is the blessing I speak over my child. See, Daniel's name means God is my judge. Hananiah's name meant God has favored. What a name. Mishael, I love this one, unless you've got to pay attention to this. Mishael, this is his name. Who is what God is? <laughs> I like that. Who is what God is? That's Mishael. And Azariah means Jehovah has helped. But every one of these other names that they gave them, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were names of their different Babylonian demon idols. Like blasphemy. He said, I know what your name was, but this is who we're going to make you. I know what the destiny of God was on your life, but we're going to hijack your destiny, your identity. We're going to take your gift and we're going to put it in the service of this false God. That's how it works. He's a thief. Does everybody understand that? Come to kill and steal and destroy. So I, I know this has been a little heavy, but I had to get through the heavy to get to the other side. Come on. See, see if you leave church early, you just get the heavy. All right, so let's go to verse 8. You need to turn your TV back on at home. Get that thing back up. Come on. Don't go get your coffee. Sit down. You're leaving too soon. All right, verse 8. Look at this. But Daniel resolved. Man, I like people like that. 
In the midst of all we've just had to walk through, there was a young man named Daniel. That's why we're going to do a Daniel fast. That's why this is part of the chosen fast. It's for people who say, you know, I believe there's more to me than how I'm living right now. I believe there's some things that can change in my life. I believe God's not through with my family. I believe that healing can come. I believe that breakthrough can come. I believe my prodigal sons and daughters can come. I, I, I believe something's happening. I believe we have a divine appointment. God, I'm going to do. So Daniel resolved. One translation says he purposed in his heart. Man, I like that. Don't you like that? He purposed in his heart. He made a choice. He made a decision. He said, I'm going to resolve to do something. And what was that? He said, I'm not going to eat from the king's table. I'm not going to eat his choice food. I'm not going to drink his wine. Why? The king's food, his table, uh, had first been offered to these demon gods, then brought to the king. And that meal was part of worship to them. And Daniel said, I'm not going to eat that. I'm just not going to do that. You know, you have, today we live in a, a scenario where we're really... Uh, what would I say? Almost taught, almost told, you know, fr- from, from sources that should be helping us to serve God. We, we're inundated with this from spiritual leaders. Don't rock the boat. Keep your head down. You know, it, it, it's okay. God understands. You know, I've always thought if God told me something, He meant what He said, I don't think He understands for me not to do it. Is that just me? Am I a little person thinks like that? I figured God said it. I thought he understood what he said. I don't think he had to go figure out what he said because I didn't want to do what he said. Are you, are you with me? Did I, you're not understanding? I'll try to say that again. I always thought God understood what he said. I didn't think he needed to wait on me not to do what he said so he would really understood what he meant when he said it over there. Okay. So, so, uh, so here we come. Daniel says, I'm, I'm, I'm resolved. I purpose. Everybody with me? See, Pastor, why are you preaching to us like this? Because I know what's on the other side of this. Because I know what's on the other side of this. Because I know what God can do. I know how God's going to work. I know what God's promised. I know what you're going to see. I know what's going to happen in your journey. I know how your spiritual growth is going to evolve. Everybody with me on this? So he resolved. He made up his mind. He purposed. He said, listen, where do you get this kind of resolve? His resolve was a result of his relationship with God. You don't have resolve first. You have relationship first. And resolve comes out of that. So Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. Now look at verse 9. Here's the word we love to shout and praise about. Verse 9. Now God had caused the official to show him favor and sympathy to Daniel. God had caused favor. Yeah, Everybody wants favor. Listen to me. Do you know in the Bible resolve always precedes favor. How many like favor? I love favor. Favor's good. God's favor will position you and put you in a place that nothing else could do in your life. One day of favor can do more than 10 years of labor. Favor aligns you with the promises of God. It's like you've been walking up the Empire State Building stairs, the hundred and some floors every day, and favor comes and God says, you know, I've got an elevator over here. You with me? You understand? Been walking upstairs. It's a hard life serving God. It's a hard life. And God said, well, you know, I got elevators. You know, you walk in favor. Here you go. Get in this favor. It's called favor. God will position you. But I want to say resolve. (laughs) 
precedes faith. So let's read what happened. So he says, look, help me with this. Now, verse 9. Now, God had caused the official to show favor simply to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head. He says, if you do this fasting, you're going to look bad. This isn't going to go well for you. You need to back up. Hold on. You're getting way too spiritual here. Okay? Verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Look at verse 12. Please, (laughs) I like this, test your servant. Just give me a chance. Let's prove God. Come on, anybody on on board with me? Come on, let's let's prove. Let's, Let's try this thing out. He says, come on, would you just test your servant for how long? Okay, so we're going to do this. See, let, let's, just, let's just say, God, I'm going to prove you right now. How many want to prove God? Now, I'm not testing God. I'm being tested. God's being proved. <laughs> See, I'm not putting God to the test. I'm going to, put my, I'm going to put my faith to the test, and I'm going to give a chance for God to show up. Come on. How many want to get online with that kind of thing? This is exciting. Come on, you got to get all in to go there. He said, let's do 10 days. So, Calvary, let's do 10 days. We're going to start Monday, January 3rd. I'm going to get you through the new year and all that stuff. Okay, Monday, January 3rd, 10 days. Come on. That's when we kick this thing off. So what are we going to do? He says, test your server for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Okay, let's do a Daniel fast 10 days. You can read about Daniel fast. We'll publish you some things. It's just basically, you say, well, what do I do? Eat fruit and vegetables and drink water. You're going to be fine. He said, but I like other stuff. So did he. But, you know, if I don't have my so-and-so, I can't make it. Yeah, you can. Come on. Let's just test this thing. Come on. Do you hear me? How many are ready up for the challenge? I just hear God saying, come on, take a test. Come on, let me show up. This is the same word in in, in Genesis 22. It said, after these things, God tested Abraham. Ah, You know, in in other words, there comes a time God's blessed you. Come on. How many have been blessed? Come on, God's been good to us. God's been good to us. And every once in a while, God says, hey, I just want to know, do you still love me? Do you love me more than your stuff? Do you love me more than the blessing? Are you willing to pray and seek my face and call on me and just give me a chance? I just feel like God has run up to the edge of your life. Say, come on, Calvary. I just want to do something. I'm just right here. Will you give me a moment? Will you prove me? Will you let me show up? I, I'm excited about the chosen fast. So, so this is what he said. So let's keep reading. So what happened? Verse 13. Then compare our appearance. With that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. We're going to get a 10-day test. I can't wait because look on the other side. Now, this doesn't happen if you don't do the 10 days, okay? All right, come on, i got to help you. So at the end of the 10 days, someone say, at the end of the 10 days. There you go, there you go. Are you ready? Come on. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So in Jesus' name, come on, anybody want to receive a blessing? Get ready right now. In Jesus' name, I prophesy that your health is going to increase, not just because of your diet, because of your supernatural obedience to God. I decree in the name of Jesus, health breaking out, according to the word of God. Oh, oh, now watch. Come on, let's keep reading. Uh, verse 16. So the guard took away the choice food and the wine they were to drink and get the vessels. So they, they stayed on that. I'm just asking you 10 days, okay? Verse 17. Watch this. Remember what the enemy wanted, their gifts, their talents, their ability? Watch God turn it around. Say turn it around. Watch God turn it around. To these four young men, God gave knowledge. 
This is what's going to give. I decree knowledge over you in the name of Jesus. Not just what you think you know, what God knows. Come on. It's supernatural knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature. That would include the Bible. So you're never going to say again, look me straight in my eye. You're never going to say again, I just can't read the Bible. Yes, you can. In the name of Jesus. Well, I can't remember those verses. Yes, you can. In the name of Jesus. You've got 48 passwords memorized. You've got 38 usernames memorized. You can get in more places and remember more things and do more stuff. And your two-year-olds can use a smartphone. Come on. Don't you look me in the face and tell me, I can't remember the Bible. Yes, you can. And in Jesus' name, I break that off of you because in this 10-day fast, you're going to get understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. If you're in school, you're about to jump a grade level. If you're doing some some uh, continuing education, you're about to jump a grade level. Anybody listening to me right now? If you're training on your job, you're about to move to another level. If you're reading your Bible, you're about to understand what you didn't understand. You're going to start praying and the Word's going to start coming. Coming out of your mouth, you're going to start talking to people and the word's going to come out of your mouth. Why? Because God has an encounter for those who will test their faith and trust their God. And look at this. Oh, I got to move. And Daniel, something more, could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. I want to come back to that. I may not get to it today, but I'm going to come back. Look at verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king... To bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. You ready? The king talked with them. He found none equal. I'm going to fast. None equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So he brought them into his service. But don't you understand something? God was with them in that moment. They were not absorbed into that. Verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding... (laughs) About which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Supernatural authority over demonic activity. God elevated them above all that magician and enchanter and demonic stuff that was going on and said, when I can get a woman of God, I'm going to put her on top of this. When I can get a man of God, I'm going to put the devil under his feet. I'm going to give you wisdom and discernment and knowledge that the enemy cannot equal. The enemy will be no match for you. Are you listening to me? You won't need to call 1-900-READ-MY-PALM. You won't have to go down to the fortune teller. You won't have to get granny over there somewhere that has a gift to tell you what's going on. You're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life and you're going to know what you didn't know, see what you didn't see, understand what you didn't understand. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you go in this fast, just like saying, you know, I'm okay with this because it's God. If you say, well, Pastor Sawyer, I just dare you to get me to do something like this. Okay, well, I dare you to do it. And now it's going to happen. You may go in with the sorriest attitude and you're going to come out understanding knowing, seeing, doing things you didn't know. Your wife is going to look at you and say, what happened to you? Your kids are going to look at mom and dad and say, what's going on in this house? I want to tell you, God is looking for a moment to step in to these situations. Absolutely amazing. Here's what I want you to see. 
my goodness. Uh, I got to bring this to a place because I want us to pray. I, I want you to see this. Let, let's go back and look at what happened to Daniel. Uh, this is in verse 17. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. All right? So we fast forward. I'm going to end with this. Let's, let's turn over. And I want you to go to uh, chapter 2. And let's, let's go to verse number 26. So Daniel receives the ability of supernatural anointing to understand visions and dreams. And what happened, here, here's what I want you to see. I want you to get this. We're going to end. God did something in Daniel in that fast. Daniel had no idea when he was going to need that. God is going to do some things in your life in this fast. He's going to solidify your faith. He's going to raise the level of your trust in God. You're going to begin to have gifts that the... See, see the, the enemy tried to steal their gifts and God gave them more gifts. See, what the devil tried to steal... Listen, God turned this thing around. God is going to begin to turn around what the devil designed to destroy you. God's going to begin to take back everything the devil took away from you. Are you ready? You hear what I'm saying? God's going to restore years the enemy took off your life. God's going to restore money the devil stole out of your life. God's going to restore relationships that the enemy has crushed in your life. God is going to bring back health that the devil stole away from you. I'm going to prophesy now under the Holy Spirit. There are people sitting here. I don't know who you are, where you are. I haven't heard this. You have some diseases in your body that are the result of the life you had before you were a Christian. I'm going to tell you in the name of Jesus, God is going to restore your health. Your blood is going to be transfused. Your life is going to be turned around. You're about to walk in a health that you were told you will never have again. God is going to do that as we move in this chosen path. Now I'm on record. You heard me say it. I need you to help a brother out and give me the testimony when it happens. Come on. How many hear what I'm talking about? See, I declare it. You need to confirm it. Come on. Can I say that again? I'm going to declare it. You need to what? Don't you keep that miracle to yourself. If you just want to write it, I'll read it. But you don't keep it to yourself. Okay. So, as you begin to move in these things, listen, this is powerful. God will begin to put things in your life that you're going to need when you get down over here. You're about to receive some things you don't even know what you have yet. You haven't made a demand on it yet. But God's going to begin to put deposits in your life. That when you reach a moment that you would have failed before, God's going to have you ready to do something you never dreamed you could do. So chapter 2, the king has a dream. And I guess he was tired of those magicians and enchanters and all that. And he said, look, I had a dream. I want you to tell me the dream. They said, okay, tell us the dream. We'll interpret it. He said, this time I'm not going to tell you the dream. If you're the real deal, you're going to tell me the dream and interpret the dream. And they go, well, nobody can do that. He said, well, you better do it because I'm going to kill every one of you if you don't. It's in chapter 2. They said, no, 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 you can't do this. No, he said, you tell me the dream and interpret the dream or I'm going to kill all of you. Now, remember, Daniel... And Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah have been put in this group. So, you know what happened? Those people, those people you work with, been giving you a hard time. People in your family giving you a hard time. Listen, times get hard enough. They'll come ask you to pray for them. <laughs> you know, they've been making fun of you. Let it get rough enough. They won't ask you to pray. So they say, uh, "Go get that Daniel boy. Daniel, we're about to die." <laughs> people get real spiritual when when the knife's over the head, aren't you? We're about to die, Daniel. So Daniel said, you know what, I can't do that, but I'll pray. 
Remember, God gave him a gift. He didn't even know it was there. But he knew what was coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? God knows what's coming. So, so verse 26, chapter 2. And we're going to end with this. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? I love this. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. This next half a sentence, one of my favorite ones in the Bible. Is it up here? Come on. But there is a God. Come on, somebody say it. But there is a God. I can't do it, but there is a God. We can't tell you that, but there is a God. I didn't know this day was coming, but there is a God. I didn't have the ability to do this, but there is a God who reveals mystery. And he's shown the king what will happen in days to come. And I'm going to tell you your dream. But it's not because I'm Daniel. It's not because I'm a bad man. It's not because I look this way and talk that way. It's because there is a God. I'm going to tell you, you're going to receive a deposit in your life that you're going to have to draw on someday. God is getting ready to deposit in you a gift, a calling, a moment, a wisdom, a knowledge, an anointing. And the future is going to come knock on your door And you would have run from it, hid from it Been run over by it But I'm going to tell you now You're going to rise up in that moment And you're going to say It's not about me but there is a God This is happening but there is a God You're going to walk out of a doctor's office And say but there is a God You're going to get a report and say But there is a God You're going to see some things that would have knocked you down But you're going to say there is a God And I'm going to say to the principalities that are warring against you and your family and the nation of America. You may think you have a bad boy, but there is a God. And we're not done in this thing yet. Let's stand. I want you to stand with me, everybody. Come on, let's believe that God's going to do. Worship team, come on and join me. I believe it's time for our nation to be reminded there is a God. But there is a God. See, it's not about me. It's not about you. There is a God. God's looking for a moment, church. He's going to use grandma. He's going to use children. He's going to use women. He's going to use men who simply have said, God, I'm, I'm going to do what you're doing right now. I'm going to line up with this thing. You, you've chosen a past. You've called us in this moment. It's, it's the least I can do. God, I don't want to miss this thing. Now I, I know I'm I know I'm I'm, I'm giving you some some some, some uh, strong medicine, <laughs> but we're we're beating some strong enemies back right now. Come on, I, I believe you're ready for it. I, I believe it's time. I believe God's going to do something. Listen, man, God's not after you. He's He's there to bless you. He wants to change you. He wants to rip you out of these these places. And right now, my spirit's so full. I know we. I I just in my spirit, I sense callings that have been dormant or rising back up. You know, gifts that have been laid there rising back up. It's almost like I, I see people, you know, you know how you have some things in a home or you put it up in the attic, you know, or you, you, you had it over here somewhere and you, you brush and dust off and picking it up and look at it. There's some things in your life that God, God's calling it back up again. Come on. God's brushing it off. I see people coming out of pig pens and, and, and coming out of far places and coming back to God. It's just time. It's time. It's time. We're going to go with it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. 
Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.